Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. This show is sponsored in part by Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping self-sufficient sailors with tools, supplies, and knowledge they need to sew for their boats. This second-generation family business is also the maker of the Sailrite UltraFeed sewing machine. The UltraFeed is a portable, heavy-duty sewing machine that was designed to handle all your maritime sewing projects from sails to covers. At Sailrite, you'll find everything you need to take on your next do-it-yourself project, including fabric, tools, hardware, and even hundreds of free how-to video tutorials. Start your next project at Sailrite.com. That's S-A-I-L-R-I-T-E dot com. I want to make an announcement about a service that I'm going to be offering those who think it might be useful to have a consultation if you're planning on sailing in Greece or Turkey. I've decided to offer one-half and one-hour consultations on helping you plan out where you might want to visit when you're visiting these countries and doing a bareboat charter. Now, this is going to be one-on-one or one-on-two. In other words, we can do it uh, as a conference call on Skype if you'd like. And it's going to be basically by you emailing me and saying you'd like to have a consultation. And we'll set up a schedule and do it. Now, there'll be a charge for it. For a half-hour session, there'll be a $75 charge. And for a one-hour consultation, it'll be $125. Remember, I've sailed in these countries for (laughs) over 15 years. There are a few islands in Greece that I have not been to But there's not very many inhabited islands in Greece that I haven't visited. And I'm always more than willing to say, hey, I don't know anything about this particular island, if it's one of the islands that I haven't been to. But over the last 15 years, 10, 15 years of sailing in Greece and Turkey, uh, I've hit most of them. So if that is of interest to you, uh, write me in in the subject line, put in consultation, write me at franz1 at medsailor.com. This podcast is going to go out to my Patreons before it goes out to the general audience. And it's because I have an important announcement on openings for sailing in my summer sailing schedule. I have a couple openings and I'm looking for crew members. And I thought the first people that should be entitled to this would be uh, my Patreons. I got two new Patreons now. Uh, Chris pledged another dollar. And TJ pledged $3. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I've got two openings. Well, actually, I've got openings for three individual people this summer. And I'm opening up my spreadsheet so I can go over the details with you. On the put-in crew, the put-in crew, I've got an opening for one individual. So I've got myself, a friend, And I need one more person. Now, I would prefer to have a young, healthy person that wants to learn about uh, boats and the commissioning of boats for this. Now, this is going to be a two-week commitment. 
I'm scheduled to fly to Turkey from Salt Lake City on July 15th. I'll be flying directly from Salt Lake to Paris and then Paris to Istanbul and then Istanbul down to Bodrum all in one day, basically 24 hours. So I'll leave on the 15th. I'll arrive in Bodrum about midnight. Uh, actually, 23.10, I arrive at the Bodrum Miletus, or what is it, Miletus Airport? Anyway, the airport that serves Bodrum uh, almost at midnight. So it will be one long day of flying. And then the first day we're going to be working on the boat will be the morning of July 17th. Uh, the boat is on the hard in the yard. The yard is expecting me. And I've got some projects to work on. So let me tell you what we're going to be doing. We're going to uh, basically take the cover off the boat, fold it up, roll it up, put it in the lazarette, uh, get the uh, spray dodger out, get that mounted. I will put up my vane gear, my self-steering vane gear. We'll be washing off the boat, checking the bilge to see if there's diesel in the bilge. And if there's diesel in the bilge, then I'm going to have to have the yard rebuild a, an aluminum diesel tank for my boat, unless they have a better suggestion for a tank for the boat. Uh, then we're going to take off the forward hatch on the boat. It's a wooden hatch, and over the years, over the 20 years the boat has been in the water, it started to leak. I'm going to take that over to a woodworking shop. We're going to be taking that over to a woodworking shop and having them rebuild the forward hatch. Also, we're going to have delivered a Furlex roller furling, and I haven't decided whether I'm going to install the roller furling myself or uh, pay, the, uh, pay, pay somebody to do this. I, this is the roller furling. I'm installing roller furling on my staysail. Over the years, I've wanted to use a staysail more than I do, as it is right now, I only put up the staysail basically almost as a storm sail. Otherwise, it just sits on the deck. And <laughs> when you want to put up a, a staysail or a storm sail, it's usually bouncy on the pointy end of the boat, on the bow of the boat. And it's getting, uh, I just don't want to go out on the bow of the boat any more than I have to in bad weather. So I've decided to go ahead and put roller furling on my staysail. Uh, previously, it's been a hanked-on staysail. My main working jib, I put roller furling on as soon as I sailed across the Atlantic, and I got to Gibraltar, and I swore I was never going out on the end of my bowsprit again in my life if I didn't have to, especially in bad weather. And so I didn't care what it cost. When I got into Gibraltar, I installed a Furlex roller furling in Gibraltar. It's worked flawlessly ever since. And so I'm going to be installing a Furlex roller furling on the staysail this summer. Now, I'm not sure if I'm going to install it or if I'm going to pay to have it installed. If I install it, it's basically about a day job. So if you want to learn how to install a roller furling on your boat, you may want to join me. Also, we're having new sails delivered. Sails are being built by UK Sales in in Turkey, there's a, a UK sale outlet in Marmaris, and 
They will also be taking my old stay cell and cutting it down and putting on a sun cover and putting on a bolt rope and taking off the hanks. So that's basically about two days of work in the yard. I'm giving myself a week in the yard. So what am I going to do for the rest of the time? It's going to be July 15th, middle of July, the end of July, and it's going to be hot in the boatyard. And I don't want to sit around a boatyard waiting for glue to dry. And that's basically what we're going to be doing, waiting for, if I have to replace the diesel tank, waiting for that to be built and installed, and waiting for the carpenter, the boat right, to rebuild my forward hatch. Uh, so what are we going to do? We're not going to sit around in Bodrum. Uh, we're going to go travel. We're either going to rent a car and drive around uh, that area will hit hit pace possibly. Uh, I, I've been to all these areas around Bodrum and Cushadasi. I'm more inclined to get on a plane, fly out to Cappadocia region. I think that's Kayseri Airport. We would fly f- back up to Istanbul and catch a flight out to Kayseri. The in the in country flights are not that expensive, and spend about five six days. Uh, visiting Cappadocia. I've been to Cappadocia four times already, and I still love going back. So while we're waiting for all the work to get done on the boat, we're not going to sit around the hot, muggy boatyard. We're going to head out and either go rent a car and drive around the coastal part of Turkey, which I really don't want to do, or more likely we're going to hop on a plane and we're going to go visit Cappadocia. Now, you all you have to pay your own travel expenses. I'm not paying your travel expenses. If we rent a car, you're going to be sharing car expenses. And uh, the hotels, uh, we'll probably share a room, uh, or you can get your own room, but you have to pay your own travel expenses. So that is the first opening I have. So you get on the boat, uh, or you, you arrive in Bodrum the morning of the 17th of July, and we'll work on the boat, travel around. And my my goal is to put the boat in the water on July 24th, which interestingly enough is a Utah holiday. It's a big celebration in Utah of the Mormon pioneers coming into the Salt Lake Valley. So July 24th, I plan on launching the boat. We will stay at least one night in the marina at Bodrum, because the sailmaker wants to test out the sails. He wants to get on the boat and go sail. And then we will head over and clear customs in Kos, K-O-S. That's the island of Kos. I always want to say Kosh because there's also a town in Turkey called Kosh, K-O-S. But we're going to the island of Kos. We'll clear customs at Kos. And then we will work up to, oh, Calminos, Liros, Arki, and you will get off the boat uh, in the isle- on the island of Patmos, P-A-T-M-O-S, uh, on July 29th, and th- then you need to find your way back. Uh, from <laughs> There's different ways to get back to Turkey if you want to fly back out of Istanbul, or you can fl- t- catch some ferries. Um, in Patmos, there's no airport in Patmos, so you'll need to catch some ferries to catch a flight. Uh, 
and we can talk about that if you want to. So if you're interested in that, write me an email, franz1 at medsailor.com. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, my priority is it's um, Patreon members first, and then regular listeners second. So I'm going to give Patreon members about mm, a three-day head start before this goes out to my regular listening audience. So that's the first crew. The next crew is going to be a lot of fun. And this is a crew that will be doing some open water sailing. And this is going to be the crew that we're, that takes the boat from Corfu uh, up to Montenegro. And I'm giving myself quite a bit of time to do this. Uh, the crew will arrive in Corfu, meet me in Corfu, on Monday, August 28th. And I'm giving myself basically a, um, what do I have here? Seven days to get the boat from Corfu up to Montenegro. And the reason I'm giving myself so much time is because we have uh, 164 miles of open sea and we're going to be looking for a weather window. We might get up to Montenegro in two days. And that's great because we'll just kick around Montenegro for the rest of the time. I love Montenegro. And at Montenegro, we may do exactly what I did before, was go to Couture and leave the boat there and, again, rent a car and drive around Montenegro. Uh, that turned out to be one of the best memories of that summer, and I've talked about that before. The reason we were stuck in Couture is because we had an engine breakdown. My fresh water pump broke. And so we were stuck there until we could get it fixed. And so, again, while we were waiting for it to get fixed... We don't sit on the boat and waste our time. We rent a car and go travel around. But anyway, that is going to be that crew. So they arrive on August 28th in Corfu, Greece, and they will fly out of Couture, Montenegro. There's an airport very close to Couture, and that's spelled K-O-T-O-R, Montenegro, on the uh, September 3rd, 2017. Now, you don't have to fly out. But that's when you have to get off the boat because I have another crew arriving, which has already been pre-committed on uh, on the next day. Actually, actually, the next day I'm, I'm going to be doing the laundry, and they arrive on the day after that. But I want you off the boat on September 3rd. So if you're interested in either one of these crew openings, and on this this opening for from Corfu up to Couture, I have an opening for two people. Now, it could be two totally different people, uh, two of my listeners, which would be my preference. I'd like to meet two of my listeners. But if I don't get that, I would probably let one of my listeners bring a friend of theirs, as long as they understand that this is a small boat. And if you bring a woman with you, she has to be willing to pee in a bucket at night. And uh, it's, it's a lot like camping on a boat, basically, because my boat's small, but it's comfortable, and, and it's very safe. So that is the two crew openings I have for this summer. The rest of the summer is pretty much filled up. I might, oh, one, one more opening I might have. I might have an opening, and this actually could be the same person that's on the put-in crew if they want to stay a little longer. So we have the put-in crew that gets on the boat on July 17th, and they get off the boat in Patmos on July 29th. 
I have a lay day again to do laundry. And then on July 31st, I have my next crew. And that next crew so far consists of Neil Fletcher, uh, a contributor to this podcast, now a good friend of mine. And we'll probably during that period of time meet up with Jack Andrews somewhere along the way. So far, it's just Neil and I, and that's fine. But I always like to have three people on the boat. It's just easier for conversation. And so if you might be interested in joining Neil and I from July 31st uh, to July or to August 4th, uh, Neil gets off on August 4th, and then I have another lay day. And I told Neil he might want to stay on with me because I've got a semi-commitment for the next crew, but not a full firm commitment. So if that person doesn't commit, then I told Neil he could hang around with me for another week if he wanted to. Uh, but anyway, they would you would be getting off either in Mykonos or Tinos. Probably Tinos, but it may be Mykonos. It's easier to fly in and out of Mykonos because there's a big airport there. Tinos is the island just to the north of it, only about 10 miles away. But I haven't visited Tinos, so I sort of wanted to go visit Tinos a little bit. I'll visit it either way, but we'll be going from Patmos to Heraclea, Heraclea to either Tinos or Mykonos. Well, probably we'll go to Mykonos at least first, and then to Tinos, and then maybe back to Mykonos. And um, those are the openings. So again, if you're interested, and again, priority to Patreons, call me. Uh, well, actually, don't call me. Write me an email, franz1 at medsailor.com. I did write uh, Tenny G, Teddy G from the Sail Loop podcast, and I, well, I didn't write, I wrote him and I said, Teddy, give me a call. If you want to join me, it'll be fun. We could do some podcasts together on the boat, but I haven't heard back from him. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Teddy J. What is his name? Teddy. I listened to his podcast, and, and I've had him on the podcast myself, but it's just Teddy. I just call him Teddy. Anyway, that's that's the big announcement for this podcast. Now, what else to talk about? I got a letter from Joe Murphy, and, and, I, and, and I really appreciate the letter, Joe. Thanks. I'm going to read it on air. Your podcasts are great. I listen when I'm crushed so tight on the London underground that I can't even scratch my nose. And the scent of the Mediterranean coastline always wafts through the audio. A listener recently asked you about learning to sail in the med. It led me to thinking of someone who could make an entertaining interview. Barry Nelson was one of the pioneers of flotillas in the 70s when harbors were empty and rules non-existent. He's a New Zealander and a great character with a fund of anecdotes. I met him because I moved up from dinghy sailing to yachting by joining his flots in the Ionian and beyond. You could reach him via the company website sailingholidays.com. His daughter Amy would probably set up a chat if you're interested. They are based in London, and he gives me her email address. I appreciate flotillas are not interest, but for people like me, they were the way to stop dreaming on the tube home and take off to the med. Happy harbors, Joe. Joe, that first paragraph about being crushed in the London underground, every time I visit a big city and just 
drive through a big city, I just say, oh, man, what a terrible place to live. Um, that's my opinion. Some people love living in big cities. A lot of people do, obviously. But I can identify. I've been on those London undergrounds, and I know how packed they are, and also the New York subways. And I just say, well, hey, why do people choose to live this way? But they do, and they're probably well paid to do it. But anyway, I have reached out to Barry and Amy, and we're going around and around and around in circles. It's hard. Um, apparently, Barry doesn't uh, use Skype. Uh, so I've got three people involved trying to set up a Skype interview with Barry, and hopefully it'll happen. Uh, it's just a matter of saying, let's get on Skype and let's talk. It's not that big a deal. Also, Jack, I know you listen to every one of these podcasts. Uh, I want Julia to come on. And Julia is a has a PhD in, um, well, I don't know if it's meteorology or climatology or, or something along those lines. But I want Julia to talk to us about the weather patterns in the Mediterranean. And, I'm, and I know you're traveling around Greece right now. Uh, we actually had a Skype talk not too long ago when you were up at Skopios? Or no, not Skopios. Uh, the Northern Islands. Skathos? Anyway, farther north. And uh, I know you're having too much fun to bother about doing interviews, but... Let's try to get Julia on to talk about the weather patterns in the Mediterranean, which is a request that I received from another listener. So I'm going to be talking about year-end maintenance on the boat. And one of the things I do before I put the boat up every year is I change the oil. I, I usually only change the oil once a year, and that's at the end of the sailing season. And it probably would be good to do it a little more often. This boat is over 20 years old now. And... Um, the engine has been absolutely fantastic, and I attribute that to basically changing the filters and changing the oil at least once a year. Uh, I, it sits on the hard in the winter with a uh, with clean oil, and I wanted to talk about my experience in learning to change the oil. I have a small boat, so I don't have a lot of space to store big oil change equipment. There's a couple big tanks that you can buy that... Uh, you know, that will pump oil out. Uh, there's some electric pumps. There's some pumps that are driven by um, drills where the drill turns the pump and it's supposed to pull it out. The things I've tried have been the drill pumps, which are a waste of time. They do not work. And I've tried the Jabsco Little Pal Pump Kit that you can buy from West Marine for $59 or $60. And that doesn't work either. That is too small of a suction to get any oil out. Uh, it works just great with transmission fluid. But for the pulling of oil out through the dipstick of an engine, which is required on the Yanmar and a lot of other diesel engines, it just does not give you enough of a vacuum. Now, when I first put my boat in the water, that's the tool that I used and every time I did it, I created just an absolute mess. <laughs> I got to the point where I'd kick everybody off the boat. I would spread newspapers all around the engine and <laughs> strip down to underwear and go to work on it. And no matter how careful I was, uh, 
oil came out, went the wrong places, didn't go into the the containers that I had ready for it, and it took forever. Uh, so after that, I mean, I, I kept struggling through, struggling through, struggling through, and at some point in time, I started paying marinas to uh, to do my oil change at the end of the year. But I really was irritated because they'd charge me usually around 100 euros just for an oil change, and that's with me providing the fuel filter, or excuse me, the oil filter and the oil. So all they're doing is pulling out the damn oil for 100 euros, or thereabouts, 75 to 100 euros. And, you know, it's one of these things that I, I, I just get irritated about because I feel like I'm being taken for a ride. Well, one day, in, in the, actually in the marina I'm at, I hired them to come over and change my oil. And this is after the boat was on the hard, so the engine was actually cold. And that's another tip. If you're going to change the oil, run the engine. It's, it's hard to do this when the boat is on the hard, but if you could do it before you pull the boat out of the water, run the engine, let the engine cool down enough that you can get your hands back there. And, and as long as the oil is a little warm, it's a lot more viscous, and it's a lot easier to change the oil that way. So anyway, I'm talking about changing the oil at the, the boatyard where the boat's at right now. I hired them to come over, and they came over, and all they brought was a little hand pump. That's all. Just a little hand pump. But it wasn't the Jabsco little PAL pump, which you can buy from West Marine. It was a big vacuum hand pump. So it's a big tube, probably about um, oh, two and a half inches in diameter, with a big plunger made out of steel, not plastic or brass. Uh, and that little Jabsco pump is made out of brass with a bunch of plastic around it and rubber, rubber and plastic, so it doesn't work. And they used this, and uh, it was two guys, one guy basically to feed the lines down into the engine and the other guy to pull and um, push this pump. And I'll be damned if that didn't do a great job. And I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I thought, hmm, maybe this is a solution. So I went to the local marine store, and there was the pump sitting on the wall. It was about, no, probably about $60, just like this little Jabsco pump in equivalent Turkish dollars. But it really wasn't set up so that it would have the fittings for me to be able to do it on my boat. So I brought that home with me that year, and I made some fittings and attachments so that that it works just fine on my boat. So basically I had to put some pipe fittings on it and some plastic lines on it and it fits in a nice little container now and it will change the oil just fine just fine now i've looked for something similar to this in the united states and i have not been able to find it like i say they have these big jabsco port of 12 volt oil changers which are 250 dollars, but it's a big five gallon bucket and if you have a big boat that'd be great to have and then there's a flat oil tank changer that West Marine sells for $150 or $145. And if you have the room to store those, they'd probably be okay. There's a bunch of big hand pumps that are, look like almost insect sprayers that you can buy. But again, they take a lot of space, and I just don't have the space on my boat to, to uh, store those. But this, uh, this little hand pump, and it's not that little, it's, uh, it's basically about... Mm, probably about a foot to a foot and a half 
long and about two and two and a half inches in diameter with a big plunger so you can really pull a strong vacuum out of it and it does a great job once you get the right fittings i've been debating on finding the manufacturer in turkey and actually importing that in the states i haven't haven't done it yet if i have the time this summer i may explore that possibility but i haven't found anything like it in the united states but if you can find something like that if you're over in turkey uh, you might go to the marine stores and look for these little hand vacuum pumps. They're not that little. Again, they're big. And they have a couple different sizes. And I just got the biggest of the size because that's what the boatyard used. Um, but you do need to change your oil at least once a year. The other thing you need to do is change your saltwater impeller. I do mine about every two years. And that's one of the projects I need to do this summer. So when we're on the hard before we launch the boat, we'll be changing that. So if you're one of the crew members that joins me on that put-in crew, uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's certainly not rocket science. It's pretty easy to do. Uh, <laughs> but I've made mistakes doing it. Uh, we'll be doing that again as well. Uh, but that's about all I'm going to talk about on this podcast is uh, make sure you change your oil. If you have ways that you change your oil, that um, that you can give us tips about, let us know. Uh, it's still it's a dirty, messy job, and uh, but it's just one of those things that as a do-it-yourself boater, I try to do myself, and it saves a lot of money now that I have the tools for the job. All right, if you have suggestions for future podcasts, drop me an email, franz1 at medsailor.com. If you want to go sailing with me, drop me an email. If you have the time, go into the iTunes directory and, and write a review. I got another review last month, and I want to thank that person for writing the review. The more people listen to this podcast, the more motivated I am to keep doing the podcast. Thanks for listening. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing.